Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this opportunity to be here at Avondale. It is a huge honor. I thank you for the faculty and staff that you have called out by name. I thank you for each of the students that are here. Jesus, as we dive into the book of Philippians yet again, we just ask that you would speak to us through it. We ask that you, Jesus, would be lifted up, that in so doing you would draw the hearer unto yourself. God, we're in a crooked and perverse generation, as we're going to see here in Scripture today. And so we need clarity. We need you more now, now more than ever. So God, do your, do your work. Do whatever it is uh, that you see fit. And we will be sure to give you all praise, honor, and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, if you have your Bibles today, I invite you to open with me to Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 through 18 is the pericope or section of Scripture that we're going to be looking at today. Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 through 18. And by the way, as you're turning there, uh, a couple things. One is, is at 12 o'clock, I'm going to be in the women's chapel where I'll, I'll talk a little bit about the condition of the church, um, which I feel like I've done a little bit of already. Uh, but I'm going to address that, and then we'll have an open dialogue for about 40 or 50 minutes where you can ask any question of yours truly. And I pray that that will be time, a time of, of good understanding, reconciliation. Maybe even if you have comments to make, that would be a good forum to do that. And um, let's get into that thing. Uh, so that's at noon in the women's chapel. As you're turning there to Philippians chapter 2, couple highlights. Verse 6 of chapter 1, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work... Uh, will be, uh, who, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Another one is in verse 21 of Philippians uh, 1. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Another one is in Philippians chapter 2. This is on the uh, banner behind me. Uh, let this mind be in you which is in Christ Jesus. That's Ephesians chapter 2 verse 5. Today we pick up in, uh, sorry, I'm saying Ephesians, Philippians uh, chapter 2, verse 12, and hear this now. And by God's grace, I think that migraine is gone. I'm feeling the, the, the pain is gone, so I thank God for that. Uh, I don't know how he works and everything else, but uh, sister prayed for me today, so thank God for that. Anyway, verse 12, let's do this, church, and get into it. The Bible says this, Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, there is a comma there, so let's go ahead and finish the sentence. Verse 13, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. A couple things about this again, I reiterate. Paul, writing to the church in Philippi, he is encouraging them in their faith. And so when he's getting into this, what he's basically saying is, is what's already been going on in your life, the decision you made. For instance, uh, for the person who's recently been baptized and said, I'm going to accept Jesus, and I'm going to follow him. What happens is, is in our life, if we're not careful and we don't stay connected to the body of Christ, it's easy for us to slip away. Does this make sense? 
Uh, as a matter of fact, when I first got baptized and was following Jesus, I was at Andrews University. I was super on fire for God. And a couple people, God is my witness, pulled me aside and said to me, Matthew, you're on fire now, but give it a few years and you'll settle down and be like the rest of us. And I remember saying in my mind right then and there that if that ever happens, if that becomes my testimony, that I just become some complacent freak sitting around in the pew doing nothing, just sitting up mamby pamby little do whatever I don't want anything to do with that I don't want that like God doesn't I don't see that so I just remember thinking I pray that I never become like you and I'm sorry that for those people that have just become complacent I don't believe that that's the gospel I don't believe that that's God's will for your life I believe he desires that much more for us and so he says here again in verse 12 Uh, You have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Let's look at that phrase, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence. This is what I fear about things like festival of faith or things like big camp or youth rallies or youth festivals where we come out and we have these spiritual highs, okay? Eddie Hippolyte is coming your way, but Eddie comes up, shows up, preaches the word, people get super excited, but then in his absence, they fall away. That's not the gospel. And quite frankly, if that's your experience and you're just living for the high of big camp once a year, something is fundamentally wrong. And and if I have contributed or spoken into your life uh, to lead you to that belief, I have failed you. I have absolutely failed you as a minister of the gospel, and that would cause me great concern. For Paul here, he's saying to these people, much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, when you hear the phrase fear and trembling, you probably think of shaking and you're, you're afraid, you're cowering, you're walking away. And I don't believe that this is what Paul is getting at. What I do believe that Paul is getting at is, is that your salvation ought to be paramount in your life. But hear this, it's not a, it's not, your focus is not on, am I saved? Because once you become a believer in Jesus Christ, your salvation is assured. Do you hear this? I reiterate again and sorry. It's just really bad, the, the dry mouth syndrome, terrible. Um, when you believe in Jesus Christ, your salvation is assured. You need not walk around questioning whether or not you are saved. If you put your faith, hope, trust into Jesus Christ, you can walk in assurance that you are saved. About a once or twice a year, I'll get emails saying to me, Matthew, I'm afraid I'm going to hell because I've committed the unpardonable sin. And I'm afraid that Jesus is going to come, come again and blow me up. Well, to me, that's scary talk. Because when I look at the life and teachings of Jesus, I don't have anybody to fear. All that said, when I think of my salvation and my relationship with Jesus, it ought to be the most paramount aspect or most paramount thought in my mind. Like it it ought to be the greatest concern in my life is having a walk and relationship with God. And by God's grace, my, my life would attest to that. Uh, so he says there, work out your, sal- your own salvation with fear and trembling, which the conservatives, and let me just say this on a side note, um, let me just say on a side note, conservative liberal, conservative liberal, 
You've heard these, conser- he's conservative, she's liberal. You've heard these phrases? Conservative, uh, uh, often if, if somebody is conservative, some descriptors of those people is because conservatives and liberals both love the word of God. When people hear the word conservative, they often think of a suit and tie and organ music only, hymn only, veganism. Uh, um, They keep the Sabbath by not doing a bunch of things. Uh, Some of you have heard me say, but I think that this is worth saying, that that conservatives are like, "You you can go in the water on the Sabbath up to your knees. Have you heard this one before? It was actually just brought up uh, last night. You can go on the Sabbath day, thou shalleth wadeth in the watereth only up to your kneecaps. And so liberal folks are, are like, like above the way, or like maybe as, as you grow in grace. Okay, you know, as I got a little, ooh, there that goes. As you get a little older, I can go now up to my waist. And I feel so free in Jesus Christ. Uh, and then as you, you grow in grace, then now you're actually swimming on the Sabbath day. But because you've been born and raised Adventist, there's always something in the back of your mind as you're swimming on Sabbath that you're like, Lord, don't come again now because you're going to turn this lake into the lake of fire and I'm going to burn. Um, but watch this now. The, the scary part is, is when we throw around these terms, and the reason why I'm, the reason why I'm uh, kind of beating down on the conservative liberal thing is, is conservatives will take that passage and say, you better work your salvation out with fear and trembling. And so you're like, oh my gosh, I better be scared about this thing and, and better get my act together. But you need to hear the big picture. Because, it, it, and so, sorry, I've already opened up a can of worms here and, and not having time to finish it. Conservative liberal. Is Jesus conservative or liberal? I would challenge you or just simply submit to you that in my mind's eye, he's both. When it comes to the word of God, he is the word of God. You can't get more conservative than Jesus when it comes to the word of God. However, when it comes to methodologies, you can't get more liberal or more progressive than Jesus. The dude was so far ahead of his time, he empowered women. Jews didn't even talk to women in public. Jesus not only talked to them, he empowered them and sent them out as ministers of the gospel. Look at John chapter 4 for for Bible reference as that woman was used to radically convert her whole town. Uh, So we need to be careful with those terms, but conservatives will come around and say, you need to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. But you need to continue to read the chapter and notice that there's a a, a comma after trembling. Verse 13, for it is God. It's God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Again, I challenge you, go back and read Ephesians chapter 1. Read the entirety of the chapter and ask yourself the simple question, what is your, your job or your role when it comes to salvation? And the bottom line is, is all you are asked to do is put your belief in Jesus Christ. And when you believe in him, that will conjure up something. It's, and some of you may hear that and say, it can't be that easy. It is that easy. It is simply that easy. Jesus, I'm putting my belief, my hope, my trust into you. I don't have it all figured out. I don't get it all, but I'm putting my faith, hope, and trust in you. And guess what he starts doing? 
He starts working in you, verse 13, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Again, he wants you in heaven more than you could ever even want to be in heaven. And all too often what Christianity teaches is, is you've got to prove to God that you really want to be in heaven. Quite frankly, the desire to be in heaven, I don't even think is something you can conjure up. It's a gift from God. And he wants you there. He is championing you on. He is working and doing all that he can to make sure that you are in heaven. And unfortunately, we've been painted a picture that unless we get our act together, we don't get to go. Am, Am I right with that? Are you hearing this? And we need to come to the place where we recognize in scripture, sinners love to be with Jesus. Church people were threatened by him. Why? Because he flipped the script of the paradigm that people are functioning in. You and I are human beings, and as human beings, we want control. That's what we want. Everything needs to be black and white. This is right, that is wrong. Jazz music in the church manual is listed as wrong and of the devil. When, again, as I said, it should be country music because that's clearly of the devil. But again, human beings, we want control, so we want everything black and white. And sometimes in life, that's just not the way it is. And when it comes to the gospel, I will tell you this much. Your black and white is not the way that Jesus rules. Why? His thoughts are not your thoughts. His ways are not your ways. To be rich, you've got to become poor. In order to live, you have to die. The way that God rolls is completely contrary to the way that you and I roll. But please know this, in verse 13, it is God who works in you. So you're you're, you're working out your salvation with fear and trembling is this, is noticing that the life with Jesus is not just a moment. I don't just have a moment with Jesus where I come up to an altar call, I accept him as my Lord and Savior, I get dunked in a baptismal tank, and then we're good to go. No, it's a continuous journey. In other words, your testimony with God, and that's why I thank God for the opportunity to be here this week. Why? Because I've experienced him this week. I've experienced him this week. So if somebody asks me, why do I believe in God? I can actually point out reasons why I believe in God because of this week, because of today. My journey and experience with him is fresh. I don't need to point back to 1982 Uh, Well, I wasn't even a believer then. Uh, uh, But I don't need to point back to the 90s. I can point to today. Are you following this? And this ought to be our experience with the living God. Continuing on to verse 14. Do all things without grumbling or questioning. Many of us on the journey of faith, we grumble, we question. Uh, How many of us, me included, God pricks us with his spirit. Our our spirit is pricked. We, we, We feel convicted to do something. We see somebody in need, we feel convicted. Sometimes God will speak to you and tell you to go talk to somebody and you're just like, no. Then you question, is this really the voice of God? And then you grumble, I'm not gonna do that. I I would hate, that would be too embarrassing for me. And what Paul is saying here is do all things without grumbling or questioning. What would it look like in your life if instead of asking questions and instead of rebuking the Spirit, you were actually to step forward when the Spirit was calling? I mean, can you imagine what your life may be like today? I have to ask myself that question. I venture to guess I'd be a lot closer to God if instead of grumbling and questioning all the time, I were to just step forward in faith. 
And by God's grace, as I get closer to Jesus, I will more emulate him. And by his strength and his power, I will step forward in faith, believing that he is calling, believing that he's inviting me for a, spirit, for a divine encounter with somebody. Continuing on here, verse 15, that you may be blameless and innocent. Notice this, church, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. Notice this phrase, children of God. You and I, when we become believers and followers of Jesus Christ, we become children of God. I have a daughter of my own. I have Skyped with my daughter. She doesn't talk. But when, I, when we get on Skype or FaceTime with my little 11-month-year-old daughter... Her face, I've actually never seen her laugh and smile as brightly as she has since I've been here this week, which may not be as great of a testimony as I thought it was when I started saying it. Um, That chick, when she sees me, her face, she just lights up and is beaming, and she started reaching towards the camera. You are a child of the Most High God. And yet again, we as my friend Sam Lenore, who I've just understood, just accepted a speaking appointment to be here next year for Festival of Faith, and you're in good luck, uh, or just you ought to be rejoicing, as my friend Sam Lenore calls us complexicans. We just make everything so complex. Whereas the gospel is, is that you are a child of the Most High God, without blemish and in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. As I look at my daughter, does she have issues? Quite frankly, I haven't seen them. Does she defile herself on a regular basis and blow it? Yes. At sometimes very inappropriate times? Yes. But do I love her? Do I rejoice in her? Am I excited that she's in my house? 100%. Would I give my life for her? 100%. And this is how God sees each and every single one of us. You are a child of the Most High God. You happen to be living in a crooked and twisted generation. This world is going to hell in a handbasket. I sat on the plane with a woman the other day that said to me, she feels like humanity is evolving for the better. And I just am like baffled at that. As I look at devastation around the planet, as in North America, we've just been, and especially in the United States, not in Canada, because they can't have guns, But in in the United States, people are walking into theaters and blowing people up and delighting in it. We are in a very perverse, twisted, crooked generation. And among you, God calls us to shine as lights in the world. And that's why I thank God for you, Avondale. I truly thank God for you because you are shining as lights in this world. I just met with somebody that went to Mongolia yesterday, uh, serving as lights in this world. And so I just thank God for you. Verse 16, holding fast to the word of life. And I believe that what we're reading, Philippians falls into the word of life. So that in the day of Christ, there's that phrase again, the day of Christ when he's coming again, I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Verse 17, and here's where we get to the drink offering. Even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon, upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice. 
Church, as a follower of Jesus Christ, as I've already said, you will be poured out as a drink offering. In other words, your life will become one of service, period, period. As he's already said previous here in Philippians chapter 2, you'll start to esteem others greater than yourself. You'll start to see the needs of others as opportunities for you to serve. And I will leave you with this today. There is no greater place. There is no greater joy on this life than when you are serving somebody else. Period. It's the way, it's somehow God's almost designed us this way. Jesus, when you look at his life, starting at the age of 30 is where the gospels kick in primarily. I mean, you see his birth, you see him at 12 in the temple, but then we pick up when he's 30, and all you see is is a man that poured out his life and served other people. And I'm just telling you, as a previous atheist, I've had no other greater joy, there's no other place that I would rather be than in the service of other people, because it is there that I feel close to God. Quite frankly, and I'll just say it even, yeah, I'll say it this way. When I'm in service towards other people, the reason why I love that is because no longer is my mind focused on me and on my shortcomings and on my issues. No longer is my focus on me with all the drama that I have going on in my life. I become selfless, focused on somebody else. And that is the beauty of the follower of Christ. As he is in you, he starts giving you his eyes to see with, his mind to think with, his ears to hear with, his mouth to speak with, although I pray his isn't as dry as mine is. So I pray that you would be of encouragement today, and I pray that you would just simply choose to surrender your life to God. What does that mean? Lord Jesus, your your prayer could look like this. Lord Jesus, I don't know who you are, where you are. I don't even know how to connect with you. I'm not even sure I've even heard your voice. But in the little bit that I have heard, in the little bit that I have seen, in the little bit that I have tasted, I want more. And so I just simply avail myself. I I open my heart to you. Does that mean you're going to have open heart surgery? No, it's a metaphor for just simply saying, I open my life to you and ask you to come in. And I promise you this, church, that the Bible says it, so I declare it and believe it, that if you just simply open uh, Revelation 3.20, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in. And as he comes into your life, I can't, I can't really put my finger on it because it's a mystery, the Bible says. The gospel is a mystery. But as he comes in, your life will start taking on new meaning. Your life will go into directions and trajectories that you would have never dreamed, hoped, or imagined. Nor could you have conjured it up yourself. Nor could you have had the energy or the sustenance or the ability to sustain what it is that God will call you to. But he's looking for something much more radical than just playing church. Jesus didn't come to this planet to start Christianity. He never uttered the word Christianity. Jesus didn't come here to start just yet another religion. He is none other than the way, the truth, and the life. And he is God on earth. He is God with us. And by God's grace, as he comes into us, 
our lives will never be the same. And one day, First uh, Corinthians 13 closes with this. I now look through the mirror dimly. You know, it's, I, I don't have it all figured out. But then I will see face to face and I will be known just as I am known. I believe that the moment that Jesus returns again is going to be the greatest epiphany of your life. Have you ever had an epiphany before where you just see something, something clicks and you're just like, ah. I believe that when Jesus comes again, it will be the single greatest epiphany of your life because you will be known just as he has known you. And suddenly all the mystery will start to make sense. I just pray that you can conjure up just a little bit mustard seed size of faith and put that into Jesus Christ. Let us pray. God, thank you so much again for the opportunity to be here. Thank you for the book of Philippians. Thank you for the challenge to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. But I also thank you for the promise that it is you that work out your good pleasure, your good and perfect will in and through our life. So I just pray that we would be willing to allow you to do your thing, that we would just learn, as the song says, as the hymn says, to surrender all. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.